thing is, though, it's bad behavior is not only indulged in your industry. It was celebrated. <laughs> I really envied the bands that got to build up to something. You leave Atlanta with one suitcase, and then 12 months later, you're worth millions of dollars. Chrissy, you're hiding behind that palm pie. <laughs> I was just hanging out with the Supremes. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, isn't that awesome? That's great. You know what that's from? The, is it from the album or something? Correct. From the inside? I was trying to explain it to somebody who <laughs> doesn't know about records. Yeah, because <laughs> they saw it. And she was like, that's so cool. Why is it? And I was like, well, that was a, in the old days when there was an album, they'd give you posters. Yeah. I just had a bunch of them framed. I brought this for you. Where did I put? Oh, here. This was on my wall because I remember that album you had with showing the little pubic I hair. had to go through a, an explanation of that the other day during an interview, and I was like... What was uh, Amorica? Was Amorica, that? yeah, right. our third record. And that was an old Hustler cover from you know, okay. the Bicentennial. If people don't remember what we're talking about. It was just, it was awesome. And for its time, amazing, because it's... The, the briefest of bikini bottoms, and it's not covering the very top, as I it recall. Ca- it caused a huge... Curly black pubic pubes. hair. You just yeah. see a, the a little littlest bit. bit peeking out through the top. It caused a huge thing. And then I realized, of oh, course, it did. in my... Yeah, like... Oh. They wouldn't run it in Rolling Stone. We had right. these giant... There's people still... They had these... You know, in England, they'll do this, the posters on the tube. They wouldn't play. They wouldn't even show pubic hair in Paris. The, what? The, the home of pubic they hair. They have perfume ads that show that, and they <laughs> did know. back when we were. Well, anyway, so this when I was a kid, my father worked at a radio station. We used to get Record World magazine, and as a music, you know, yeah, yeah. you were a, kid, a teenager, you're like crazy for music. It was like the greatest thing, and I cut this ad out. This is from like I think 1972. Mom's apple pie. I don't even know if this is. I guess that's the group. But I think it is. I mean, yeah, they I mean, got <laughs> they got this through. It's it's for the people who are it's, listening. It's, it's she's it's this lady right holding a pie, a dripping like she's pie. from 1900. If you think the, Warren's cherry pie was offensive, why do you? And, and it's like the, she's holding this full pie, but there's a. a triangle cut out of it uh, and and they got this through because you know in 1972 i think in 1972 not, i think people well, were pushing you know what <laughs> some people are watching this what am i doing here i can actually show that's why you should watch this show look at that mom's apple pie okay i think people would, would i think there's a, a real history of putting Pussy you know, and yes, things and selling with it. But you know what's funny about our record <laughs> Pussy cover sells. at the time? I was really making, I, I, and I realized in my naivete now that I'm much older, but I was like, to me it was just about, you know, 1995, 94 when that record came out. 90, we made it in 94. And, you know, it was heroin chic. And, you know, and I my whole point was it was just about the gratuitous nature of how Americans were. Like, to me, I didn't really think, oh, we're putting this. It was more of a, I wanted it to be more of a, like, uh, counterculture statement about it. You know what I mean? Than like, oh, look, sexy vagina people or whatever. I got to say, for somebody who I know, well, I don't know, but I 
get the feeling you always lived like a rock and roll lifestyle. You don't wear it on your face. You look good. <laughs> really, <laughs> I mean, funny, you, you should look a lot worse. today. You should look a lot worse. Well, I'm working on it still. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, I think I, I was told you. No, I don't know if the cliches are. Okay. I would like. I mean, some of the cliches have to be legit, and then some of them I think I've avoided. Speaking of what cliches, you, this well, is I, for you too. I brought something for you. From it's about fucking time somebody brought me pot. Trust me, this is my new <laughs> strain from <laughs> Mota over there in Silver Lake. Oh wow, the Mota boys. And I, I brought. A, the, I'm an I indica a, guy, so I I'm brought a, sativa for you. I'm an owner with Woody Harrelson of a pot store. Do you ever go to the woods? It's nice. It's, it's awesome. Nice. We should go there some night. They have those lofts. Oh yeah. You know those. Bungal- I haven't seen that. Oh, I gotta take you there. I'll take you there. It's. Fantastic. I always wondered when that was going to happen because you know I always loved that about in my first trips to Amsterdam. You know, it was so much right. more humane. Well. The, Until the, an English football hooligan threw up in your weed tray or whatever. Right. You know? <laughs> but the the woods on Santa Monica Boulevard, if you're here in the LA area, <laughs> uh, open from it is it's different than any other pot store I've ever been in because yeah, there's the store in the front. In the back there's this whole jungle. There's this garden with I mean, you feel like you're in, I don't know, uh, you know, Tibet or something. It's uh and it's lush and there's these lofts that they built up in the trees. It's so you can buy it, smoke it there, and they also have a uh, a liquor license now. Another part of the club. So you that was could, another thing I always wondered when that was going I mean, to happen. It, well, try to get fucking you know count the state of California to act quickly on stuff that's friendly to business. Why? It's what bugs so many people, me included, about this state, and you live in this state. Like, you know, it's like they're trying to make things difficult for you in a bureaucratic way. It's just, to me, it just it bug, bugs me because it's like, it's easy pickings for the Democrats to fix this, I think. Well, maybe it's not easy, but it's something they should try to do. I was berating Gavin Newsom on my show about this like, <laughs> only a month ago. It's like, Gavin, you know, like, what, 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 it's, so, I, it's, it's just common sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's anti-logic. There's no pragmatism in any yeah. of it, you know. Just make people don't want to like have to. Ooh, I can't throw a frisbee here. Or that's you know, why you know, we need just, old school gangsters again. You know, the people mean, who could really get some shit done. You, you mean know? to run the? To mean to run the, the government? They'll run everything. Well, there, there are people, and I wouldn't say I'm not one of them, who say Vegas was better when the mob ran it. Yeah, I mean. I don't think it so was I, better. We were just, if, we were just there. If you, you, you go all the time for your, yes, your, for yeah, your shows. I'm there this There's weekend. There's a fucking billboard. My wife and I are going to, we played two nights and then got out of there for the Super Bowl. But there's a billboard, and it's a lawyer, you know, Larry Friedkin. I don't know who he is. But it says, if you've been injured, this is the, a billboard. If you've been injured looking for dead bodies at Lake Mead or whatever. And I was like, is I've this a it. movie? I was like, is this right. funny? I know. And our driver goes, no, there's a lot of dead bodies out there. Right. They're in barrels. I said, what, do <laughs> so I get true. a tetanus shot? Right. I'm like, but who, by the way, how do you, why are you looking for dead bodies? <laughs> and who do you sue? <laughs> if you hurt yourself looking for dead bodies. And the guy's like, I'm the number one yeah. dead body if you're looking for dead bodies and you hurt yourself, I didn't know who you. I was sue. like, what? What? Who? Who? 
And the guy well, goes, no, there's shit tons of dead bodies out there in barrels and stuff from the old really days. It's not really fair, but you sue the Sinatra estate. It's not, <laughs> it, it's, it's complicated, but I, no, uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like, yeah, the, the, the town was better when the mob ran it, unless you were in a shallow grave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought but it would be good if every dead body fun. they found was Siegfried and Roy. It everyone. was more fun. You know, what, you know what that town needs, and I love it. Uh, I love playing there, but I can only take it in those limited doses, yeah. then it's great. I wouldn't want to live there. But it needs lounges. There used to be lounge yeah. shows, which if kids don't remember, um, a lounge, it was in the hotel. It was like, you know, in the lobby. It wasn't the main room. It was somebody who was it was either on their way up or on the way down. I went so which is fantastic dynamic though. You know what Great. I mean? Like because that's a it, cool way because not everything is built towards like the that superstar billing, and there's still people on the way up or on the way down who have who are funny. Great. That's where. Where do you think Don Rickles started? He was in the lounge for years, and Sinatra and those people would get done with that. And, and go over there and uh, yes, because, have 38 martinis. Right. Slap all, a bunny also, on, the, on the ass. The or great thing about the lounge shows, they weren't at the same time. They were later. They were like at 11. Yeah, yeah. Even, they weren't the main 8 o'clock. Or even 1 in the morning. So if you were like a like I am, somebody who works in that town, I can mm. never see another show because we're on stage at, at the, the same, same time. time. But you could go, and it's such a, it's, you don't want to go to. Were you friends with Don, by the way? Don Rickles? Yeah. I met him, no. I mean, I didn't. I only met him a couple of times. You didn't have times. like a. No, no, no. Some of the younger guys did. Um, I spent a weekend with him. Really? Uh, in the early 2000s, the Kennedy Honors. They had a thing. We had made a record with Don Was, and he was oh. the musical director, and Chuck Berry was being, um, yes, I'm not going to kiss you. You smell like piss, Chuck Berry. Right. Who's <laughs> the king of rock and roll. But he asked us to come do this thing for Chuck Berry. Of course. But I didn't really, I wasn't that hip to it. But Don was there, and for some reason, you spend these week, the whole weekend, <laughs> <laughs> you have dinner at the State Department. and right. Um, sure. And I was, as a kid growing up, I, I mean, Don Rickles was one of my heroes. And yeah. there I am having dinner with him. And <clears throat> you're at the State Department, Madeleine Albright, whatever, all these people. And everyone has red or white wine on the table. And that's all you can get. You couldn't, if you wanted a beer, you couldn't get one. And Don Rickles is like, I want, I want, I want, I want vodka. Right. And he was like, Hey, sweetie, <laughs> like we're the only fucking table with a bottle of Grey Goose. He got it. I mean, oh. he was like that, and he was the but most wonderful he, man. Did he, he insult you? Yes, I mean, of course, in, the whole time. <laughs> well, but what, but what would he say about you? What would he say? The hair, the yeah, rice, you know, rock and roll, yeah, you know, dirty, you know, you know just, you, I mean, he insulted everyone. You smell like a hippie. Yeah, yeah. And all that <laughs> shit, you know. Uh, but. Uh, my ex-in-laws, uh, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, he's like, you need to, he was all over that. Mm. You, need, you stick with these guys, kid. Did I but was, he was this guy, too, you know? He's the old Jewish. Like, yeah, a lot of, <laughs> lot of this. You know, Chris, you know, and I'm like, you know, I, my grandfather right. was a first-generation Atlanta no. and, a, and a Jewish person. Shik's a lover, whittled it down to my father. Right. Shik's a lover. So I've been whittled down to about 20%, but no, there was I, a lot of the... I have something I say to people <laughs> like that. Make your points verbally. <laughs> I've said that on more than one occasion. Like, I get this as emphasis, but it's not working on me. Not, yeah. But um, did I... 
I remember being once at Goldie's house. Yeah, you came to Kate's house. Ka Kate's house. Yeah. What after do you, we? I, do you, so I didn't dream this. No, you, you were there. Yeah. Right. We were in your. I lived there, but it wasn't my house. Right, but. <laughs> <laughs> but we were there together. I remember yeah, sitting yeah. on the couch, and I seem to remember my date falling asleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, were, it was that action packed. I mean. <laughs> I guess we were had been at a party. Yeah, there was some. Must have been late. It was late. Right. And, okay. Uh, All right. But the reason maybe it, you thought it was Goldie's was because that had been Goldie's no, house. No, no, I remember. And Kate bought Goldie's old oh, house right? and, oh. then, and then lived there, yeah. I think she still's in that place. We won't say where it is, but. No, she actually oh. uh, bought the house next door and has both oh, houses. same street, though. I remember the yeah, name yeah. of the street. Yeah. <laughs> I remember where it is. It's but yes, you were there. We were I there was. together, yeah. Right, wow. We're old, huh? Um, I'm older than you, damn it. Yeah, but probably not that much older. Than we know, well, I, you know, we're mid-century products. You know what, what I? Like. You know what I found out about how kids look at this when, when you remember when Leno and Conan were going through that battle for the Tonight Show? It was like two thousand nine, and uh, it was got kind of ugly. And I remember it was the last time late night TV was interesting, really. It, well, thanks. <laughs> Just kidding. I get, well, I guess regular you, TV. I guess you don't consider my show regular like TV. Right. You've had no. the freedom, and also I'm not. You've even, also had the freedom to do it. You want to do I'm not late of, night. I mean, we were always on at ten o'clock on HBO. Yeah, but not the like the and, yeah, network no, it's talk like, show thing. It's, it's, what it's, you do is completely it, different. It's completely different. You're right. I'm the one who's always trying to make that point to them when they lump me in. <laughs> when uh, they bother but, the late night. But I remember I. I had a girlfriend at the time, she was 25, and I remember saying to her, uh, she was asking about this, and I'm playing, well, it's, you know, part of it's a generational thing. I said, Leno's 59, and Conan's 45, and she said, yeah, that's the same thing to me. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, it's when like, you're 25, it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, when I got it. Like, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I'm 68 now, but... I could be. Oh no, you are much older than me. Forty? Oh, really? <laughs> I just turned fifty-seven. Uh, yeah, for, but we could be forty. It's kind of the same thing to them. So I think it is. Know, a I tease about the being. It is a being a twentieth-century product. I mean, we spent a lot of time in the twentieth century, you know, and right. that I think singularly culturally. I mean, that's what all yeah. the culture wars are about in a lot of yeah. instance. You know yeah, what the, I mean? Is that the if I if we, if I was born in 1866 and it was 1924, no, right. I'd be like, whoa, right. submarine right. or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to do. <laughs> like, what? They're underwater. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Or everything would be so different. Now it's obviously so much more intense because of. You know, technology makes that oh, yeah. move much faster. But you know what? You still go to the airport and take your fucking shoe off. You know what I mean? Like whatever. You know? And if you're, a, you know, twenty something, you always did. We yeah. re we remember it as a disruption. They I remember just, they just know it as something that people do when you go to the airport. We, you know, people would wonder. You know, I remember when the government took great strides to protect our health on airplanes by letting people smoke cigarettes in every other seat. It's, I mean. it's, it's a, I remember being able to. Uh, I was like, fantastic. Remember going up to the gate, uh, no security at all, no. and being able to buy a ticket with cash at the gate, right yeah, at yeah, the gate. Totally. That I, I I used to do this bit about let's let's start. Uh, fly at your own risk airlines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it'd be very popular. You can bring your shampoo on board. You can bring a fucking gun on board. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Just fly at your own risk The price risk is airlines. right. You know? Right. I bet you it would be very popular. You know what else is really... 
always like really fucks me up is like you you don't think about it just because of the way the world is in rock and roll but there's pictures of like the grateful dead in 1968 and this is before the world would be you know mechanized the way it is you go on tour you play houston dallas new orleans then you know there's a a, a science to it you still do don't you yeah yeah but back then and like there's famous stories about Jimi hendrix you see, there's a picture of all the Grateful Dead and every piece of their gear on the runway, loading it up on a fucking Eastern Airlines flight or whatever. Right. Yeah. And they have to load up all that shit that would right. go on semis, and that's how you went. You they it, would have their whole entourage, all their shit, guitars, amps, fucking maybe you would get a keyboard. Or you, you, mean, you mean a band that didn't have their own plane? Yeah. Right. And you just went to just the thing. And right. Jimi Hendrix would have his amps on the right. runway. And, right. I've seen those pictures. And they would, you know, Jimi Hendrix Day, you know, that 60s era, he'd be like, I play Seattle tonight, then I fly to L.A., then we do New York, and then I'm in Miami, and then I'm in Chicago. Just like the why, and I, you know, wonder like how. So, Jimi Hendrix, let me ask you about that as a great guitarist, about another great guitarist, because there is, it's funny, like. I'm a horrible guitarist. You are? I play guitar, but I'm 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 in the Black Crows. I don't even attempt to play guitar anymore. Oh, it's your brother who's the guitar? Rich is, yeah. Okay. Well, I do. I, I'm the I know song, you I'm hate, the song and dance man. I know you hate him. Oh, that's right. I know you hate him, but he's a great guitarist. Jimi Hendrix. Your brother? No, I love my brother, and he is a great guitarist. Oh, he's a very unique guitarist, very different um, in what he does. Well, it's funny. I mean, I am a big music fan. Like when I. And this, you know, it, music is very much about your mood. So I have a playlist, um, Crunch. I don't know why that, I picked that word out because it's like a, the crunchy sound. There's a certain... Like a guitar sound. Yes, definitely guitar. Definitely. And sometimes I'm in the mood for that. I don't know. It's a little teeth grindy. <laughs> like, what would it be? What, like, what's on the playlist? Because... Like, a lot of your stuff... Your band. Yeah, we're very... Right. I mean, our guitar uh, sound has always had that. Yes, you are... Um, you know, Pearl Jam. Crunchy. Look at my look at my lighter. Pearl Jam lighter. Eddie, Eddie Vedder gave me that. Nice. Eddie, yeah. Um, so. Is that someone surfing or something? And like this, uh, yeah, well, he's a big surfer. Um, like this, um, you put out that, I guess it was an EP. I don't know. It wasn't like it wasn't like a full album, but it was just covers. The 1972. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. And all it's covers funny. from 1972. R- yes, how yes. original. No, no, it was a great idea actually for it. And there was three of them were like um, big favorites of mine. Uh, Rocks off, which I don't know if that was that a hit for the Stones or was that? It just, wasn't really. You know, they. I don't Tumbling think it, Dice was the only real semi hit on that record, but Exile Main Street is still probably my top rock and roll record but you know people really? forget the how you thing. see that record is the best you know the stones at their greatest th- I, it was maligned up I, until like I, the I, last I, decade it was never half. my favorite stone top oh I, but, I, but that one. song was my favorite song on it rocks off well and for stones guys, people it was, it was great. it's a huge one you know then you did you wear it well I don't know if that was a hit for rod stewart it was a big hit for him. okay that i always loved i had dinner with him once few other people and I asked him and I was interested when this came out if you would use the same name here's because there's a line in there uh Madame Onassis got nothing on you ba- 
And he wrote that song. Yes, he's very, I told him and that. I, he's he was, a great lyricist. I told him when he was on Real Time, I said, you're very underrated as a songwriter. I don't think most people even know you are a songwriter yeah. as well. Maggie May, you know, a song without a, without a chorus. All of those great lyrics on those Faces songs and... Yeah, I mean, he went on to do, so was he fun? Okay, so, I've never met Rod Stewart. Oh, yes. I met a, him one time, and it's a funny story because he he was my dear friend, uh, uh, Ian uh, from The Faces. He was the keyboard player, and he played with the Rolling Stones. And Mac was like, we had played a, it was a big concert at the Munich Stadium where they had like the 1972, the hostage thing and the whole thing. They had a big concert. And I, so it's a giant place. We're sequestered on one side and then like with Jimmy Page and Robert Plant because we were like in their world. And then Rod Stewart and like. You did that whole record with With Jimmy. Yeah. With Jimmy, right. but, But Rod Stewart's on the way on the other side. And Mac was like, all right, man, come on, let's go say to Rod. You never met him. I was like, fuck it, it's a long way. He's like, come on, he'd love to meet you. Yeah. Oh, he's loved to meet you. And I'm like, all right, I'll go meet him. <laughs> it, it's like two miles almost to walk to this thing. Oh. And I walk, I walk over and they're all getting ready for the show. And they're like kicking soccer balls around and they're like these pastel suits and stuff. And right. he has like the quaff and everything. Right. And, uh, and Mac walks me up to him and he and like Rod is standing there like this. And he goes, hey. Hey, Rod. And he turns, he doesn't, you're me. And he turns, he goes, I want to introduce you. This is Chris from the Black Crows. He goes, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And then I turned around no. and Matt goes, that's it. Did you see what he did? Yeah. I go, yeah, did we have to walk two miles to that? But, you know, he's yeah, a very think, nice guy. It, it, I would really, really like to I think it. he's got that side to him. But anyway, the question I had for him was. It was, was amazing, by the way. Was uh, your line, Madame Onassis got nothing on you. Okay, when you wrote that in 1974, it made sense because she was Madame Onassis. Yeah, yeah. And now she's gone. She's been dead for a long time. And I said, <laughs> and she ain't coming back. Who, if you're redoing the song, would you put in there? Oh. Now you just still use that that name, but it was like super dated. Like, if we had to put somebody in there, you know, who would you put in there? And of course. <laughs> <laughs> now oh, no. people start fighting on the internet. Taylor Swift, no Beyonce, you no, know, like, Michelle Obama, Oprah, ah! the mom of the Kardashians. Yes, right, exactly, <laughs> Kardashian. Our friends at ZipRecruiter conducted a recent survey and found that the top hiring challenge employers face for 2024 is a lack of qualified candidates. But if you're an employer and need to hire, here's good news. ZipRecruiter has smart tools and features that help you find more qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com random. ZipRecruiter is so effective at finding top talent that right after your post your job, after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you candidates whose skills and experience match it. You can use ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply feature to send top candidates a personalized invite to encourage them to respond to your post. As you start to rate and like candidates, ZipRecruiter sends you more of the ones you like from the thousands of new job seekers who join the site. This month, find the talent you need to fill all of your roles with ZipRecruiter. See for yourself why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash random. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-I-N-D-O-M. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 
We all have busy lives these days and can't afford to waste a day stuck on the couch because of a few drinks the night before. Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking, and nobody parties harder than PhD scientists. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver but in your gut where you need it most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol, drink responsibly, and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. I don't drink as much as I used to, and one of the big reasons is that I hate to waste a day. But with Zbiotics, you can be feel much better after even having just a few drinks. Go to zbiotics.com/random to get 15% off your first order when you use random at checkout. You can also sign up for a subscription using my code so you can stay prepared no matter the time or occasion. Zbiotics is back with 100% money back guarantee so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/random and use the code random at checkout for 15% off. Thank you Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode. What is liquid death? Well, it may look like a beer or some insane energy drink, but in reality, it's a healthy beverage brand that makes mountain spring water. Have you ever noticed a coworker cracking a tall boy in your morning meeting? Or maybe you've seen a bunch of kids at soccer taking a pull from what looks like a dark-themed hard lemonade. Or you spot an Uber driver pounding one at a stoplight and you want to call the cops? Well, don't because it's not what you think it is. That's liquid death. But why? Why would someone call a beverage liquid death? Because their mission is to bring death to single-use plastic bottles with their infin- infinitely recyclable aluminum cans. Liquid death donates a portion of profits to eliminate the use of plastic. If plastic pollution isn't curbed, There'll be more plastic than fish in the ocean by 2050, and humans will be more plastic than real, which is now a reality here in Beverly Hills. But seriously, this is a brand you could have some fun with and solve a big problem of too many plastic bottles. You can also crack open one of their low-sugar sodas and iced teas that are sweetened with agave, not that other garbage. Drink Liquid Death and be done with plastic forever. You might know Ben Mankiewicz as a host on Turner Classic Movies. Now you can hear Ben in intimate conversation with some of the most influential filmmakers and movie buffs of our time on the new podcast Talking Pictures from TCM and Max. Personal and honest conversations with the greats: Nancy Myers, Mel Brooks, Emerald Fennell, and me. I did it too. I watched Reds and talked about it with Ben and had a blast. Listen to Talking Pictures on Max or wherever you get your podcast. So Jimmy Hendrix, if I may go back to that. I'm just curious. Like I don't have a lot of Jimmy Hendrix in my, you know, is it why? What do you think it's like, too like are this are they good songs? I know he was a great guitarist. I mean, are they are they really great songs? I, I mean like I mean Little Wing is pretty strong don't composition. Know, don't know that one. Or maybe you, I do. You would know it if you heard it. And really? I would say I know Hey Joe and Which which is a he didn't write that song. Okay. I mean everyone was doing that song in LA at the time. The birds a- do Hey Joe. I think the first one and please someone who would I mean mm. I think the Leaves from Los Angeles maybe did the first the Hey Joe. The Leaves, that was a band? 
The leaves, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they're begging for a joke to be, you know, what'd you think of the leaves? I did. <laughs> I you mean, know. we left. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Leaves, leavings. Uh, but no, that I think it's different. And then, you know, it's also, he does a lot of different things. He's, you know, people fucking say, um, people, they really dislike Jim Morrison. Still really? to this day. I, I love fucking him. love the doors. No, I, I love the doors. And I see, love the, Jim Morrison. See the doors, I will if you I don't know why we're comparing them to Jimi Hendrix, but the doors have like songs I really like. Great songs. You but know. we're also talking about uh like you know, the twenty seven club or whatever. They, they died yes, in twenty seven. Right. But so there's Jim, not a okay, lot. so what if Jim Morrison and by the way, I was dear, dear friends with David Crosby. Wow. And David fucking hated Jim Morrison. But he'd say, he told me, I goes, I'll tell you why I fucking hated him. But everybody hated him. I know, but not everybody. everybody. He even says it in his documentary. Yeah. Everybody. He was rough, him. I think. He, I don't know. I, he owned I, it. I got but... a pass with him. Uh, we just got well, on. Well, he was much older when he met you. True, true. You know, but in his heyday, everybody, he must have been arrogant. some sort of um, monumental prick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what they say. And I, You know. But... You know, he told me, like, you know, you'd be at a party, like, and it'd be the most beautiful chicks and the best mm -hmm. drugs, and mm -hmm. everyone's, like, feeling it. And then Jim Morrison would show up, shove someone down the stairs, and then go <laughs> lay in the street until the cops come. He goes, that's bullshit, you know? He, like, fuck up the whole scene. And I was like, it's kind of cool. I mean, that, it's kind of punk, but... That. But if, but my my thing was, he's... And Jimi Hendrix, this doesn't... It's just because they both died at the same age. But Jim Morrison, you said he got older, and I knew David, I mean, I knew him for 30 years. Mm. So, you know, he well, was he lived, my age when I met him or something, a little younger. Right. But he was, Jim Morrison died, he's 27 years 20, old. You're still, right. he didn't have a chance to like, no. rail it in and one right. day be the elder statesman. Of right. This, you know, exactly. This, you know, we exactly. didn't get to see that. Hey, oh, I don't want to think about how I was in my 20s. I mean. I don't want to think about it. I, yeah. Might suck. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, though, it's bad behavior is not only indulged in your industry. It was celebrated. <laughs> I mean, let's yeah. face it. it yeah. a, yes. But wasn't that part of it? I mean, that's another thing that I think is weird about. I mean, I think there's so much great music, and there will always be talented people. You know, in music, there will always be people that we connect to on an emotional level, through our experience, through things. But I think the main difference, what I don't see, and I work, I have a, I have this record label. I, I work with lots of talented young people, and they're all, they're all beautiful. But, and I get that the culture has changed, but we were defiant in our attitudes and and everything about art to us. If we were going to put it in rock, we're going to be we're rock and rollers. So I understand that Jerry Lee Lewis is like a real artist. You know, is he someone you oh. went over for dinner? You got to have the right that you know <laughs> mindset. But right, and put we, the kids away. Yeah, and all the guns. You know, uh, it'll shoot you. But the the idea that if we part of our stance was defiance, right? You know, like against. Whether it was, we used to smoke weed because we were outlaws, not because well, we were patients. And, but now it's all compliance because people, you can't 
say something bad about a band. You, you, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, it, like what T-shirts you wore, what bands you rapped well, was everything. I, I mean, mean, it was serious. Rap, rap artists are, do, are really do, serious. Do nothing but rail on each other. There's a giant feud going on now between Nicki Minaj and Cardi B, I think. Well, I mean, I think I mean, they're you know, the like so, kind of rock and roll people now, the rap people. Of course. They, that's they, where it moved. You know, but they're, but, they're, they, but, they can but, bring that attitude. Yeah. You know, and, oh, exactly. And, no, but it, you know what's it, funny about that it is what is also the thing that kind of derails some people in that world, at least from my adjacent view, is, you know, what one thing we always are obsessed with, or at least the records I like, the films I like, the comics that are, there's an authenticity Correct. about what they are. Absolutely. And, and it's funny because rock and roll did it too. All of a sudden there's a lot of people who are like, you know, not, they're not on stage drinking Jack Daniels. It's fucking tea or whatever. And they're like, woo, right. you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I have a friend, uh, I was living in, uh, my wife and I, we were living up in Colorado for You're a little while. You're married now. Yes, yes. Oh. Um, Re remarried for the second time. I mean, the, after, yeah, yeah. after Kate. You, I was married after that as well. So this. Oh, uh, so third. Yes. <laughs> it's the charm. I'm not afraid to love. You know? Not only is it uh, preferable to like settle down or, you know, like find the person who's really right for you later in life. It's almost a necessity. When I think back, like what an idiot I was about my own self. Of course, how could I know who was right for me? Yeah, when I was thirty, because I was, I was just like I was making decisions like fucking Trump. I mean, they were just <laughs> pulling things out of my ass and just going by emotions. And I mean, it was just it was, it was crazy. a wild ride, right? It was, and I, can, I can imagine what that must be if you're also a rock star and all of this is being thrown at you. That I mean, must really fuck up a mind. Well, I, well, and one thing is just funny. I. Uh, when I was single, whatever, I'd be a single man in the world. As happens to be a successful musician That's and the lead singer. Really good. And how far can you coast on charm? Good. Truly, not with these looks. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I hate it to be judged by you're my looks. Fine, um, your looks are fine. But I, I truly, <clears throat> in my, I've, I've, uh, I, I prefer the intimacy of a single partner of. Uh, uh, daily cohabitation, you know what I mean? Like it's a, uh, that intimacy yeah, it's and that, it's important. It's important. And I would give it, I gave it a good try, but I usually have always been in a relationship during my Easy tenure. for a rock star to say after he's had like <laughs> innumerable flowing reams of pussy. Now I'm fine, but yeah, you, of course you are. My, what about all the other regular you know, guys like us out here? Mine was no, more I'm like kidding. stumbling onto the perfect vintage pants or something. You know what I mean? It wasn't. I don't a, know what you mean. It wasn't a stream. <laughs> I don't it was know like, what you mean by that. <laughs> it was more. I do of, not. It was more of somebody who. Uh, does, well, what did they do? A lot of vintage. No. Go to the antique store, and occasionally I would find something. No, I, like. I mean, rock. I, I, from my knowledge, from my what I, rock stars always get married. I know very few rock stars who never hmm. been married. It's not yeah. like that. I'm the one who never got no, married. No, comments don't get married. Well, you practice the dark arts, sir. You know what I mean? The what, dark arts. You, what, what you do is traverse. Uh, well. And, and which is <clears throat> funny because I think that's a, another really, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, rock, people say rock and roll is dead or whatever. It's totally ridiculous. It's not the same. But comedy oh, is no. the thing that now you start to f see that people, now, now you're not around to say whatever you want to say. And comedians, you know, 
are always that's uh, isn't that the fucking uh, job isn't that why I'm, com- I'm on the front lines yeah and you I have am. been even before oh, this yes. sort of no i try I, if i don't cultural shift. if i don't think <clears throat> i mean i'll never get my due from the people who don't even understand this but if i don't see myself as the tip of the spear i'll leave yeah like i will leave this business uh you know somebody comes along and be and is like can uh, still get an audience, not anybody can say really crazy shit and get a, some, but to, to be reasonable, but also gutsy about something. If, you, if somebody can come along and do that better, I will get out. By the way, I also understand like when you do that at a certain level, when you do that with a talent and, 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 and you're in your, you know, you're in what you have to say, you're at one with it. Um, when people do come and the great comics that are really that can do that and you know there's different comics that do different things yeah oh um of do, course do i know yeah yeah but, uh, but that's <laughs> i started I mean. with all of them i know yeah <laughs> and then and you know but again that's like like anything else but if you're going to be that person what if you're going to be a part of the spearhead at all then the ones that really are heavy-handed and you know they that's that kind of stuff that people get so mad about like, let the people say who's funny. Don't I fucking go, tell course. people say who's funny. We'll tell you who we think is well, funny, and you know what? Like, and then some shit will come along where people get mad. Like, you know, let them. It's it, well, it's you know, going to go away. Anyway. The ultimate proof of that was, uh, and I'm not. I'm stealing the thunder of a number of people who wrote about this. But there's a comedian, comedian. Oh, I don't know if we even say that word anymore. And and she's trans or a a lesbian. I don't know. I'm fucking it all up. But Hannah Gadsby. Funny mammals are good. They're funny. You you don't have to worry about any misgendering. things. I know this funny mammal. (laughs) Bipedal mammal. Anyway, Hannah Gadsby. And I must admit, I don't know her work, so I'm not going to pass judgment on it. Um, Everybody I know (laughs) has one opinion on it, and that's across the board, but, you know, it could be wrong. I haven't seen it. No, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, her net, I mean, well, it's a different kind of comedy that a lot of the younger generation does. It's not so, um, I I don't want to sound snarky about this, but like, you know, it's not really about the jokes. I mean, there are jokes, but it's like there's feelings and um, story and, you know, my victimhood. In a lot of these people, it comes first. Okay, maybe that's where the society went, and fine, I'm going to stay old school. Uh, but anyway, hmm. her, her Netflix special. So the really, cri- they don't want to be just funny. Finish, let me just sorry, finish sorry. this point. That the Netflix was- special, the critics loved it. Like, their score was like 95. And like the people. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> you know, I don't know the numbers, but it was like, you know. A, Not good numbers. It was exactly the opposite of what the, what the, the, the saintly priest cast of the media thought this was appropriately wonderful and the people were like come on man we just came to laugh or whatever it is again i don't want to pass judgment because i have not seen it maybe it's the funniest thing since the three stooges <laughs> but that's just that was the story we Netflix la- we numbers know what i mean we here. laugh the real laughing and the stuff that makes us go wow is the stuff that is the most painful thing too right singing is pain in a way right well a lot of it is about pain yeah, I mean, and that's where it's it, born. Oh, that's why I call it the no, dark. Some of it's happy. Some of it's funny. I mean, well, you know, some of it's everything. What is that thing Mel Brooks says? If someone asks me what's funny, what's not funny, I'm in my office. I'm opening a letter. I cut my finger. I get a paper cut. I say, Jesus Christ, that stings. And, uh, and that's not funny. 
But if I'm standing on 57th Street and 6th Avenue and an old lady steps off the curb and gets hit by a bus, that's funny. <laughs> and I was like, well, I, I mean, that's funny. He's too. kind of paraphrasing, I think, <laughs> what it is. W.C. Fields said. Who's also okay, very this, funny. I think this is where the origin of this, and it's a, I think it's a purer version. He said, uh, if, an, if, you, <laughs> if, if someone dressed as an old lady falls down a manhole cover... Uh, people will laugh. <laughs> but to make a comedian laugh, it has to really be an old lady. <laughs> it's unbelievably funny. And it's kind of true. I mean, yes, you that's know, what I, that's the nature of I, like, I, the deviant know, nature Well, you know it, what, you, know? You, you, here's, your, your early 20s, you had, I'm sure, an amazing time. You're young, you can come back from drinking and drugs and still do shit the next yeah, day yeah. and girls and blah, blah, blah. Uh, we didn't have that as comedians, but we did have some amazing camaraderie. Yes. Like, probably your thing was better, but I wouldn't- No, for, I don't think so. For anything, give up. Like, those three years when I lived in New York, right out of college, the, you know, working in the clubs and with being in the clubs every single night of my life, seeing the same people. It was your whole world. My whole world and my social world. And, you know, there was bumps here and there, but basically you're hanging out with a bunch of funny people who you like a lot. Some, so it wasn't ever, uber competitive. It was. Um, Is it know, under the I, I, I wrote a book about, I wrote one novel in my life and it was about my early days. And the epigraph at the very beginning says, they loved each other because they shared a dream, but they hated each other because there wasn't enough of it to go around. <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah. And that kind of sums it up. They, we loved each other, but we knew. It was kind of like the army. Like, a lot of us going into battle are going to get shot, meaning not going to make it. You know, I mean, of the guys I started with. Are you, do you still have that group, core people that are... Well, I mean... That you would feel that way, even some, with everyone's changes and some, fame and success? And, some, but, you know... It's just the, just the truth of the matter that people just don't feel comfortable on either ends of it when they're hanging out with someone who's on a very different level of success. Yeah. The person who isn't as successful, I guess, feels bad that they're not. The person who is doesn't feel necessarily, I'm better than you, but he knows you think. <laughs> that you, you know, think, it's just, yeah. it's just, you can't cut well, through Well, then that. some people turn that inward and start playing out those archetypes or whatever right there and then they they behave that way um what, what do but you mean yeah, i think they I, you know i agree with we shared a dream you know the one thing about like that i remember like the 80s in atlanta being in a band and you know bands were really important it's not like now you know like bands were i know what bands. happened to bands it's amazing the way it the culture. It was your gang. It was your, you know, right. I'm, we're like, you know. Back then. Had to escape the horrible angst of suburban Atlanta. Back then, but. Back then like, music was guy bands, and re the rarity was the female rock star. Now, all the female rock stars are women singers. Yeah. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying this is it's, where the yeah, culture. Yeah, it's and, and it's very hard to find 20, I mean, all the great bands are older. Like you guys. Yeah. It's, I mean, and, well, you know, I think that... It just went out of vogue. It was a style that went out of vogue. Uh, like the novel. You know, people used to read novels. Then TV came in and they went, well, these are very slow TVs, these things. And, you know, if you sell 50,000 copies of a novel, that's like a huge hit. They're like, 
It's Have a, you seen Rhoda? I mean, <laughs> Rhoda. Wasn't the name of that? Wasn't that the, the TV show? From, yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying instead of sitting around, oh. you know, you're like, you're like, oh, Nelson Algren. Wow. Walk on the wild side. Wait no, a minute. Just Wait fact, a minute. Rhoda's on. Wait, yeah. The fact that you would choose Rhoda, I love <laughs> that. It's just so like. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said TV comes along. You know, you know. Yeah. Like when you when I think of TV shows here in 2024, of course the first one that comes to my mind is <laughs> Rhoda. Right, kids? Listen. What, you know what I mean? I, you know. What do you see? So do you watch TV with your wife? Is that like a thing? You know, we never watched TV until <laughs> really until the pandemic. In the '90s, I never saw any TV ever because we were on tour constantly, and uh, my taste run towards hanging out. I I do. I read a lot of novels. <laughs> yeah, novels are great. <laughs> I read a lot, and uh, I, so yeah, our life is. I'm gonna a, give you mine. But we do life. watch TV, and there's some shows that I think are that I really liked actually. Oh, TV? I couldn't live without TV. I love, you know, kids today, they don't even have, they don't, it's like a typewriter. I, I like <laughs> YouTube because as a dork, it's like, I want to see, you know. Sure. Uh, Anything. Yeah, I want to see the fucking right. faces on French television, 1971. Oh, shit, there they are. It, you it know, can't, like, it, can't be, it can't be good for the human brain or really, I feel like, the development of the species that, Everything that was ever interesting is available <laughs> at all times. And why am I so bored? Well, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, but I mean, like, I don't even do but it. That, but that, I, you know, my thing with that is, but half of the people are still like looking at people falling down or, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I get that, but there's so much information that, that maybe you would think is interesting or important to know or that I would. And like the average person, like, they could give a fuck. But, they just want okay, to watch but, the same shit over and over, right? Don't you no, think that's a part of it? Here's, <laughs> yes, but I also think this, and I'm not even someone who often even looks at Instagram. It's just that, you know, God bless, but so, but on the, I'm on no social media. On the ever. occasion, right, I don't very, very rarely tweet, but I do sometimes. It's nice to have that as, you know, an uh, outlet, but um, Instagram, but every time I like, now, when I was first on it, it was just pictures. It was good. It was like Playboy in your phone. Like, you, you, know, <laughs> you just follow 10 hot models. And yeah, it's yeah. like, okay. Then it changed into more like TikTok. It's just videos and, you know, it's just... An, and, okay, I don't do this a lot because I'm busy and I have a life and I, I respect myself. So, like, I'm not going to let myself go down this rabbit hole. I have shit to do. But I can see <laughs> when I do do it once in a while for, like, 15 but minutes. you have to do it just to I'm, be aware. I'm, I'm scrolling through this thing, and a lot of it is, like, dog stuff because I guess they know that's what they know about me. I like to see dogs being but adorable. and like, But there's some of it, like, you know, like guys doing crazy athletic things and an amazing, like, you know, Pinchu Machu temple that I <laughs> And I was like, as I'm scrolling, I'm like, no, you're not wrong. This is very interesting. No, you're right. That's interesting. Yeah, that's bad. It's like, okay, yeah. Oh, a squirrel water skiing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, you're right. You're not wrong. These things are interesting. And I could just do this all day like, until I died of starvation. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's the ultimate. It's like... Richard Pryor with his crack pipe. Remember that thing about he had in the bedroom and he was always talking to the crack pipe? That's his best friend. Oh. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it to me, ultimately, like you said, you, you know, one thing I love about playing music is I work, it, I work very hard. But to work very hard, you kind of have to be in it all the time. So when I do, 
I watch dumb shit. Like, I like English comedy. I watch old episodes of The Young Ones. I watch The Mighty Boosh. I watch mm-hmm. uh, stuff from, I, you know. You know what's weird? You would, I, I didn't know this, really. I was watching the Monty Python documentary, because I still think the best of oh, that is so unbelievably funny. funny. Oh, yes. And I'm interested in that show, the kids' show they did. They had the Bonzo Dog Band, you know, that did all those amazing songs and really funny mix, really futuristic almost. But that, uh, that they, I guess Eric Idle said, you know what? Outside of us doing this, we weren't in each other's lives. Like, we weren't friends. <laughs> like, I'm like, that's unimaginable that I, that is so I nuanced feel, and sophisticated. Yeah, you know and, I feel like, first of all, I mean, you hear this with all bands and i mean you're famous for fighting with my brother correct which is like common band the everly brothers and i'm sure you've heard the list of brothers who like the oasis and the kings yes and And it's like wow that's stronger you know they say blood is thicker than water yeah and apparently this shit whatever (laughs) it is when you're in the band together is thicker than blood i tell you what it is it's just something weird man that you grow up first off this you know the everly brothers they they take a lot of their style from the Leuven Brothers. I don't know if you listen to the Leuven Brothers. Who I've never, never heard of that. From uh, Alabama, and they were kind of they were a duo, Charlie and Ira. And you should read a book about these brothers because they don't get lumped in in the rock and roll stuff, but they easily had the tale of like the most fucked up shit people could do to each other. But they <laughs> sing this close harmony together. Oh yeah, that is. They're most famous for a song called The Knoxville Girl, about a guy who kills the, you know, I met a little girl in Knoxville, a town I know well. Every Sunday evening in her home I dwelled, I took her for a little evening stroll about a mile from town. I picked a stick up off the ground and knocked that fair girl down. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> she's a really brutal, he's just crazy, he's a murderer. There's a lot of murder ballads in that era. But, so, they sing like that, and then the Everly Brothers sing like that, but then... They're like been in show business together since they were like on the radio on their dad's like chicken feed shit or de- yeah. I don't know dentist and he sells eggs or something. It's a weird trip, you know. Do you remember Tom Jones? But oh, by the way, before I forget, it would be weird too. Like you guys are great. You do this together and you make this magical sound. But then if they go off right. on their own, they could still be talented and good. And you know that's really something I learned about me and Rich. Like. He's, he's talented when he does his thing. I go do much different music than the Black Crows. But until we got back, I was like, and again, you change your perspective, whatever. Well, and I'm like, fuck, all, what we do is kind of yeah, cool. That's it, what I, it, there's I like. that. There's that element. Then there's also the element that people who come to your music, uh, anybody, any band, are coming to it at a, such a formative time in their life. Teenage years, their first feeling the pulsation that's what of, my wife says teenage when you're teenagers you feel the like it's there's no everything yeah it's the good most and raw bad. it's most raw that right you are. so the music they <clears> they <throat> encounter at that age is going to have this emotional resonance with them that stays with them forever so they're going to always put that in the mix that's yeah, why of course that's why when when bands break up, the fans' attitude is like, why are mommy and daddy fighting? Because it's important in my life to think that Simon and Garfunkel like each other because they played at my prom and saw Mrs. Robinson or whatever it is, that you can't separate that emotional element, which is, you know, a double-edged sword. 
Of course, of course. And especially but, if you throw into the mix, you know, like you asked me earlier, but being, you know, <clears throat> we, we made this record in 1989. Rich was still living at mom and dad's. We had no idea, you know, we have no idea what's the Guns N' Roses is the biggest thing in the world. We're this band who don't sound like anything. We, we sound enough like things that, because we have the same influences of stuff before, that everyone's like, oh, well, they sound like old music, even though we felt we were pretty modern. I mean, except for the bell bottoms. Uh, <laughs> but, but then that record, <clears throat> you leave Atlanta with like one suitcase, and then 12 months later, you're worth millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> it's on, you know what I mean? You went from, and we didn't, no, you, you know, we were one of those bands that had, I really envied the bands that got to make like a record and then another one and got to build up to something. I would never take it back and it, we get what we get and we're happy and thrilled and blessed to have this. But that would be a cool dynamic. Like we didn't have to just fucking no, you, jump in with the sharks you, you, initially. You, you, you did know? great because you put out things that, that, that you have a sound that, not everyone is a fan of every kind of sound, but if you're a fan of that kind of sound, I'm a fan of many kinds of sounds, that is one of them. You always, always satisfied the customer. You know, it was. It took. We, it took something. I think we that made w- some weird turns. I mean, but you. But that sound, like when you want that, <laughs> the crunch. When, yeah, you, no, want, I hear when you. you want that sound, I want it done right. You guys did it right. When you, you want an you egg salad really sandwich, more, you want you can't an really egg ask salad. for more than that. Well, and I think it's funny. That's. I'm funny sure they to get around to where we are today because and actually brought. The, this is the first one. I have one, but that's the first one to oh. a person other than the person I don't, who I don't made have, that. Record. I don't have this. This is the new record. Oh, it's new. This is the one coming right. out in it's March. Happy, and if you look, this bastards. Wow, if, I feel like I'm Jay Leno in nineteen. <laughs> but if you yeah, look closely, <laughs> you maybe wouldn't recognize. You're me playing the Pantages theater. My right? wife did the artwork. But if you look, we paint, this is Southern <laughs> Harmony, our second album. She painted all the new art on old album covers. Oh wow. That's like an egg. Is that what they call an Easter egg when they hide something for the fans? I think it's just, in our case, we want to celebrate the past and we're into vandalism. And once again, I (laughs) saved my pussy poster from the 1970s. Not poster, ad. Ad in Record World magazine. What kind of pie did you want? Uh, Just that dripping pie, please. What's in a dripping pie? I don't know. I wonder if if I have to. uh... (laughs) So that could be your solo album for your... Crunchy guitar band, but you're you're happy now that you're back with your brother and and you don't fight about the shit you did when you were kids. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, I tell you, it I, took me a long time to like kind of get out of my own. I say, fucking I, say bullshit. It, I say it like on every show, but like, of course, would we like to be thirty again? Yes, but I still wouldn't trade it if I had to have that stupid mind I had, because knowing now that like life is easier and better when you're not a fucking idiot <laughs> well but, and you, but and you, you have to take those lumps and you have you to have learn to the lessons you have I to mean, get older i also especially thought, men men need to get yeah. older they're just they just don't get it quickly i'm not that i'm telling women anything they don't know no of course not Jesus. but that's why you're not fighting with your brother because you're older <laughs> and true. smarter and you're, you 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 see Old age is a process of seeing things come up and up again. It's a pattern. And then the third time they come up, you go, okay, I know what that is, and I'm not falling for it this time. I'm not taking the bait. It's I, also... Uh, I singed myself once and not again. Or many times, yeah. <laughs> or, acceptance or many times, acceptance yeah. is a big thing. You know. That's the 
everything. And that's really where I think Acceptance. Rich and I found ourselves at a different time in our life. Right. And if a shrink was playing word association, <laughs> and he, he said, why he did said, you say rotor? And he said age, I would go acceptance. <laughs> yeah. That would be my, like, but that's I, what you I- You know like, what, though? I mean- I, I demand it, and I give it. It's important. And I give it. And know, that's just what you, you just do, don't do that when you're young. I think this is also how we handle adversity when you get older. It dictates a lot of the attitudes and a lot of the way that you can- you know, communicate and deal, you know, in my case, not, you know, be in a, a dynamic group of people and make it fun and work and interesting and soulful. And uh, I don't know in my youth, it's also that, okay, so back in the 90s, there was no, no, there were no therapy catch words. You were just like, fucking do it. Right. There's another band who wants this spot behind you. Right. It's very competitive. Right. Now, very. you know what I mean? And very. And you you want to stay on the ride, but you don't really realize that every band that has ever been any band, I think, success or not. But the success brings a certain intensity to the thing. If every band will say, if we had just taken six months off one time, Ed, and you never, no one ever does. They never, you never stop because until you because can it, later. Because it's a hamster wheel that if you don't stay on, someone will, will eat your lunch. And I think you just get, I don't know about other people, but I think you just get it in. Well, first off, you want the, you, it's a good time, you know, when everything's new, like I'd only written 30 songs. Now I've written 300 songs. You know what but, I mean? Like I, it, I the process like, is different. As someone who has no musical ability, but is a great fan, I feel like they're misreading the public unless I'm not like other fans. But to me, if some, if a band or any artist puts out an album and I like it, I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. If they put something out 40 years later, but I'd be you, like, oh. We, we started uh, by you saying so the Supremes posters and your you know, parents were in the radio and you <laughs> oh. had shit tons of records and stuff. So oh. you know, records are really important to that. Like if you grew up around a lot of records, it changes the way you think about music. The average I'm gonna get, family didn't have a lot of records. Since we're doing a show and tell, I'm gonna get this. And for, the pe <laughs> for the people or, uh, oh, I guess they got it on one of these cameras, but I've never actually showed it like this. This is from, I, I don't know what album it is, but I, don't I, either. I was smart enough as a kid to know, I think I, I just loved it. But like that is the Supremes, and I and I have some other ones like it's this. So good, um, it's so good. I mean, and it's and yes, this is of course the size of an album. I used to love, perfect visual, all, perfect visual remember, size. Do you remember cleaning art. pot on a double album <laughs> yeah, because there were seeds? And they had, so yeah, you had shake to them out. Yeah, yeah. And that was the perfect thing to do. That's why every P Funk live album, <laughs> Mothership Connection, is all is all bald. <laughs> No one ever listened to, to both. Like Parliament? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Parliament from Mothership Connection live record. Right. It's the double one. That's why that record, that's always fucked up when you see one. If you can find a real good one, let me know. You still have your vinyl? Oh, uh, yeah. Like uh, it's thousands of records. I, I don't, I'm obsessive records. Oh, so yeah. is my wife. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, because... It's horrible. We just moved, and it's it's like a it's a nightmare. So, I'm like, oh, here, come move my Anvil collection. So <laughs> we, we won't give away exactly, right? But you live in this area. Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, oh yeah. so everybody lives here. So. We're very close. You, oh, and I. you have well, no idea. I'm going to take you to the woods. Yeah, so, let's go. Oh, we got to do that. Um, okay. So, and how long have you been in California? 
Because you don't, you don't betray any Georgia accent. No, I mean, sometimes. Uh, if I'm in if I'm in the South, I like to prove that I was from there. But um, I'd be like, oh yeah, <laughs> that sounded gay, not like, Southern. Oh yeah, but Southern and gay are very often similar. <laughs> we are English, you know what I mean? Well, We're very English on my side. And, uh, <laughs> maybe the, I, I just think I really like the Southern plus gay accent. The Southern plus gay the character that it's I've one seen, of the that best I've seen ones. many times. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to try to do I it. I might catch the vapors. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, some of it, like Tennessee Williams, was he not um, a, yes. a homosexual? Yeah. And and do we imagine that uh, his characters, like in Streetcar Named Desire, uh, Blanche, really he's he's really writing about a gay relationship? Well, it's very dramatic. <laughs> what do we say? We're not, certainly not saying that gay people are dramatic in the best kind of way, Chris. Saying, in the best kind of, course, of way, of course. Yes, I'm, you, not, I'm if, just saying it's very dramatic stories. If and, you think Angels in America is one of the funniest <laughs> plays I, ever to run on Broadway, I, I hardly think that's demeaning. I'm like, you know, but with I, you but, because I'm, I, know, I, know. I know. But it is. I mean, it's see, highly you know dramatic scenes. But see, that's my world that I live in. Always, always having to, like, shoot down the people trying to shoot down things that are innocent, but we can find something about it that'll get the people on the internet very mad. You know, I, it's also, I, I love, <clears throat> you forget how many people are so shocked about books being banned. Uh, you know, they didn't want you to read what they banned William Burroughs. I mean, again, the problem is, is that it keeps happening. <laughs> like, and don't you know, uh, you know what I mean? They ban books all the time. Like people are. You mean throughout history? Yes, and especially yeah. in this country, and it, even in France or whatever, like well, in the in the real era of like all this kind of. Yes, there's. I mean, they they banned Playboy. I mean, they, they Hefner fought in the fifties was constantly like in court and stuff for just Playboy, which is a pretty tame magazine. Ulysses was, I think, not allowed to come into this country. In this is nineteen twenty two. James Joyce, Ulysses. I read it in college. It's. Ooh, I'm glad I did that kind of work when I was young because, like, I couldn't get through that now. We had but. a day <clears throat> afternoon in Zurich when the band was there, not this fall, the last fall, and I took my wife to James Joyce's grave. There's wow. a statue of him. He's it's buried in, in Zurich? Yeah, he's buried in Zurich. What? He lived out the, he loved it there. Oh. Yeah. And oh. he has, the, it's the coolest, he's like, you know, it's a, a little bit abstract of himself and he's like has his pipe and it, it's really it's it's one of the coolest did you, read, did you ever read ulysses you said no i attempted ulysses and i couldn't i didn't i have to go back i think i could maybe get a better grip gri, you know grip on it but it's funny when it's, we were kids i at emory university there was a club across the street and we played there and worked there and uh one of the girls that worked there her father only taught ulysses as a class, and he was old, and I remember he used to come in and only want hot water and lemon. But I was like brave enough to ask. He goes, maybe one day I'll unlock the Ulysses. So he's this big guy studying it well, his whole I life, mean, and it's, that, it's, that kind of intimidated me. I could unlock it for you in, in thirty seconds about <laughs> the basic idea, which is brilliant. I thought, and many people did. I mean, it's Ulysses is Odysseus, the same the Greek, and this is you know the Iliad, the Odyssey, the foundation of literature in the West anyway. And 
Um, Ulysses is a man who cannot get home. He wants to get home. He has fought the Trojan War. That's the Iliad. The second half of that thing mm-hmm. is the Odyssey. And that's his Odyssey. She's trying to get home. All these adventures and the sirens and all the people captured by pig people. And, you know, <laughs> and, he, and he's trying to get... And James Joyce took this metaphorically to be a guy who was trying to get home spiritually, basically, is what it is. So it's the, the uh, Odyssey is 24 books. Ulysses is 24 books. It, it mimics it on every right, right, turn, yeah. which is kind of a, a genius thing. This is 1922. But and, and, and deep as you well. Can, you can understand Ulysses. You know, there's, read it with the monarch notes or whatever. Did you read Finnegan's Wake as well? But that's the one you can't. Finnegan's Wake is the, the hardest one. Yeah, that's like, I don't even I don't know what you're doing. Uh, the ramblings of a man. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Maybe I'm just not smart enough. And I don't even want to be that smart. I just, I read a fairly interesting book recently about the French decadent poets. So it's, you know, Baudelaire and Rambo, you know, uh, the Goncourt brothers or whatever. And it's funny. It's called The Horror of Life. It's this is funny book I got. <laughs> but everyone. Of course it is. <laughs> but inevitably, every writer in the book, about three pages in, we don't know if he had syphilis, but we're pretty sure. And I was like, let me tell you something. Some of my favorite poetry is, you know, the ravings of a lunatic. Uh... It is interesting to think about so many of the things that cause people so much pain, you know, that they did not have any sort of cures for, any sort of emoluments. Well, you, you say just wiping mercury all over yourself. Right. That, that Madame, was the best Madame, they had. I mean, yeah, whatever. People went through a lot of stuff that caused them just a lot of pain. pain. How much of that pain is what inflected their work? I know? mean, that's the horror of life. I mean, I think a lot of it. But again, isn't it funny? Because the work is cathartic in the in the in the in the idea of I'm, I'm good. in the idea of uh, what I was saying. You know, adversity. You know, like if that's what you you know. That's the thing that pulls you across the, you know, crawling across the dark cave floor of that kind of life and stuff. But they're all pretty well, wealthy, I mean, too, as a matter of fact. So. I mean, you know, there's the old analogy of the um, oyster that produces the pearl. You know why a pearl is produced? Because a grain of it's, sand. It's an irritant. It's an irritant. <clears throat> the irritant is what produces the pearl. And... Um, yeah, it's like you got sand in your ass, <laughs> and every time you scratched your ass, it caused your brain to have a really, you know, smart idea or something. Uh, and but, yeah, look, you don't really have a choice in life because you're going to go through the pain anyway. I always think you might as well get a receipt for your pain. That's what <laughs> art is. It's kind of a yeah. receipt for pain. Yeah. You know, it's like yes, you went through this pain. But you wrote the song about it, you know. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have this play. It's funny too because you never know. I mean, I, I have people all the, you know. One of the things I love, and I'm very lucky, and we had a type of music that, you know, the, we were song, Rich and I started off as songwriters. That's what interests us. That's we knew. We had some sort of inkling that that's maybe we would we would be better at that than learning how to play Stairway to Heaven or something. You right. know, like we we weren't really that. <laughs> We weren't like that, and we liked all sorts of different music, and uh, and and that's kind of the uh, the the thing that starts us into into made it different. And then I meet people, and they're like, you know, and it happens a lot, and it makes me happy. Whether it's a, you know, she talks to angels, famous is our like a famous song. But I wrote that song before I knew anything about real 
<clears throat> you know, uh, relationship with drugs and leading a certain late night lifestyle or whatever yes. I was into. Uh, I wrote that song out of some dark romanticism of what it might be like right. because I was like that's, adjacent that's, to it. That happens a but lot. But that song is like the most poignant one for people that I yeah. meet all around the world. It's, ama- it's amazing how young musicians, poets, can channel like very old thinking. Uh, you know that Simon and Garfunkel, old friends? It's like... Well, you, you know why, I think. I mean, I think it's... I mean, <clears throat> this sounds weird, but the song has always been sung. There's nothing, even in their most ancient form, I imagine Neanderthal probably wouldn't be too different. The human voice is only the human voice. It's the same scales, the same range of things. Nothing is really the worst of the worst and the joyous of the joyous are still part of the same experience. And if you express that through music, you're singing the same song. And it's the same poem as well. Do you know that talking about Ulysses and the Odyssey, they were not written. They were sung. Yeah. That's how, I mean, they think that the Odyssey and the Iliad were written around 800 BC. When someone finally did it, wrote it down. Homer. Well... I don't know if that, well, that's a good question. I don't, know, I, I don't remember. That's 800 BC is the night. I'm sure that date is right about one of the two. I don't know which, whether it's that's when they wrote it down or that's when he lived and wrote it. I think it's that's when he lived and wrote wow. Homer they're talking about. I think it was sung for hundreds of years yeah. before somebody wrote it down, probably in 5th century Athens. Or, and, you know, were they even writing a lot? In, yeah, they, they were I mean, right. <laughs> I mean, but it, but that it was goes back tra- pretty far. It but, was an oral tradition. But if, I mean, yeah, yeah. this is before TikTok, so people at that's night. All the, <laughs> that's all the Brahmin and Indian things, too. The, and those things they would maybe say are even older, and they've been reciting right. them really like forever and forever. But I mean, that's a long book. Can you imagine singing that and having people remember it over centuries? That's yeah. It's like Roger Waters, you know what I mean, and the Wall. It's no, I'm just kidding. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why? Why? I, Can you I, imagine singing this for the Wall? Yeah, it's going to be going on forever, forever. You know what I mean? Why? Because that song goes on forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or just like you know something that is like. Could you imagine singing that? That's what. That's what. Do I you mean. love Pink Floyd? I I'm a, I love Pink Floyd. I especially love the very early Pink Floyd and the you know up to Uma Guma kind of times. And I love the live things of like when um, they, when <clears throat> like early 71, Fat Old Son and all that kind of stuff. There's like some great John Peel BBC stuff. I, uh, but Sid Barrett is one of my heroes and musical. He was the early leader of Yeah, Floyd. who like uh, had, you know, kind of fell into uh, mental illness and then that also accumulated with his like excessive amounts of LSD and stuff. But he makes these really beautiful records that are really special to me. I probably like the wrong Pink Floyd no, era. No, no, there's a lot of Pink Floyd. That's another <laughs> no, thing. I'm, no, I am, the, you know what? Look, I, you have, you're I wearing am, Chelsea boots. I, okay. You know that's what that's called, right? I don't. That's a Chelsea boot. I thought it was a Beatle boot. It's a Beatle boot is a Chelsea boot as well. But, but like, by the way, this would be in the like first Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett would wear these. So. But I am a good one to talk to about music, not because I do know about it, because I don't. Because <laughs> I am, I always say, I am just a young man in the 22nd row 
who yeah. sees you as something more than just sexual, just our Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> but really, and I love being that, because I don't want to think, um, music is a pleasure for me. Like for you, it's always a busman's holiday to a degree. No, no, are you kidding? I told you we, you know, we have, music is, besides my relationship with making music, I, Oh, yeah. I'm so you can just enjoy. I it. collect records. I we listen to music. I wake up in the morning. I have to there keeping is, the keeping it keeping my world. There's something like um, Spotify has like like two million new tracks a month or something. It's like wild. I, I'm all for egalitarian, but like <laughs> I, I feel like there needs to be some a little more gatekeeping. Not that it really is going to affect me that much, but like. I'm telling it, you. Well, I'm the, I'm torn with that because one reason I I do like the idea of it of everyone being able to and again I let people you know there's a whole world outside of the shit we do like tick I don't people tell me about it there's like TikTok music stuff and they'll like these kids will be like doing some TikTok shit in their house and then they're like in a stadium and then they go away forever. You right. know what I mean? It's right. like... Well, that, I'm, I'm telling you, the most prescient thing anybody ever said was Andy Warhol, everyone will be famous saying. for 15 minutes. Just, well, I don't know when he said it, but long time ago, like yeah. before everything. He saw it. And he saw that, and that's sort of what it he is. Saw, he saw a lot, you know, it's a very... The character and the look of Andy Warhol, I think sometimes overrides what was really... Yeah, I'm not his sure. contribution in art maybe isn't in the physical art well, as much as it's that ideas around it, you know. Isn't he the one that John Lennon said about, like, because he had these factories, Andy Warhol did, right? The factory it, was a, one of the space he, the famous what, space he worked in. But people were, he wasn't physically himself making all the art. He, not all of it. He made some of it. But I think he his whole thing was, yeah, to have this kind of... <clears throat> well, well uh, John Lennon said, I th it might have been about him, and it might have been about this artist, Kostabi. It could have been, he was kind of, he did kind of a Warhol-y thing for a while. Um, I remember he was on Politically Incorrect in the early 90s. And uh, Lennon said, uh, oh, I see. He doesn't make anything. He just signs it. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, but not, that's I'm not John sure. John Lennon being super snarky. I mean, that's amazing. But I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure I think about the concept of not doing it yourself and having other people do a kind of a, uh, you know, you tell them, you delegate. I don't, I, it's delegating art is what that is to me. And, uh, oh, I don't give a fuck. You know what? What am I talking about? I just like, I it's think, something I, I'll put this fucking thing in the Supremes that I had when I was 12 years old or Andy something. Andy Warhol's cousin painted this, I would, by I would way. rather I have mean. this than a... <laughs> Picasso. It just means something yeah, to me. It's cool. But you know what's funny? That's They're the, cute. I think the you know that's the idea in a way of. But it's there for everyone, isn't it? That's the point, you know. And then so much art today is just driven by status. You know what I mean? Like you really only ever hear about things because they have generated a certain amount of commerce around I, it or whatever. I, you don't. You have to really be out in the trenches, I think, it, to there, find the real interesting things. There, I feel like. Of all the bullshit in the world, there is nothing more opaque than art. Well, I'm talking about like paintings and sculptures. Like why like three people in the world decide that this is... And then when I see the things that are like, oh, the blah, 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 I'm like, I, I, yeah, okay, it's different. And it's like, yeah. I have no idea why you think this is better than a thousand other things or things I could see on the street 
at Venice Beach. You know, it's like, it's so fucking subjective. I'm and, a classicist in the way of a lot of ugh. the things I like are antiquated, but also the idea of uh, the hours of the craft. You know, that's one thing like I-, I It's about art. Yeah, pain, the painter who really, yeah. you know, like all, the amount of hours that went in and to, to, to make this. It's like music is different, but the same. Like one thing when I talk about, you know, what's really interesting is writing songs. And it's like Rich and I, this guy, you know George Trikulius by any chance? You ever met the wondrous mm. George Trikulius? Who's that? Uh, he does a lot of movie uh, music now and syncing, mm. you know, music supervision, but he signed us and produced our first oh. record. And the one lesson that George taught us that continues 30, whatever years later, is like, you know, when we wrote that first record, like a song like Jealous Again, he, he, he heard a little bit of it, and Rich and I did it, and we taped it and sent it to him in New York, and he called back and goes, eh, pretty good, why don't you get in there a little more? And then we would do another, and then it did that, and hmm. it, we still do that. You know, we're obsessed with, like, the craft of it and making sure, like, that we have to really, like, think, this is good, you know what I mean? Me like, too. I mean, that's what, one reason I still love my job is because I work all week, on writing an editorial at the end that's eight minutes long, but I can spend 20 <laughs> yeah, hours. Yeah, but when, you know, the yes. significance of when it really hits I, one. I love you know? that I have Monday through Friday to get it right, <laughs> that I can rewrite it every night until it's just perfect. Yeah, I love the process, I do. You almost have that's to. That's the craft, you know. Some people don't. Some people just want the result. Do you think that's what you're talking about with some of the new things that you see? There's a lack of craft. Like with the you know, comedy that's no, like I not just, comedy now, well, it's feelings or whatever. Well, <laughs> um, Don't you know I'm no, funny because I, mean, I can't access my feelings? I mean, that's the fucking point. <laughs> Why are you so funny? You know what I mean? Because who said sarcasm is the lowest form of like social learning? I'm like, you're an asshole. What are you, are you kidding? How far can we get in life without the sarcastic person? You know, like. Yeah. No, they, sad. They, they have a, a word now for, I can't remember what it is for like when people. Um, it's like political laugh or something that there is a type of, there is a type of audience, liberal audience, um, which is large part of my audience, but there's a part of them that just really puts, I agree with this, this point of view about whatever this issue is more importantly than I want to laugh. So that to me is going backwards about things. You should want to laugh first. And then if you laugh at it, that's when you know it's true. Even if that's not how you thought about it, maybe at the beginning. Yeah, of course. I mean, so that's, that's what I'm always trying to do is like put that, no, let, let's, let's give this the laugh test. If you laugh at it, then you're gonna have to ask yourself, oh, is there something true in this? <clears throat> but isn't it, I mean, we, we live in the same, uh, we've seen it a million times with bands, with comics, TV series or whatever. Nope, you can't say that, you know what I mean? Or whatever, it's like, well, I just always thought it was funny that you can't say things, but that, you know, the world is full of atrocity and the most horrible things. Like, that's acceptable, but I, this Puritan... Uh, there were many weeks when my producers said to me, I was mulling doing something, and my producers said, um, you can't say that. And I would tell it to certain friends, and they would say, oh, you got to say that. <laughs> <laughs>
the exact opposite. Well, that's what I mean, and that's where you know you like that's, you yeah. you trust in your uh, yeah. It's uh, what you manifest. It's, you a, it's a tightrope, yeah, no. and that's you know that's why they pay me the big bucks. Yeah. Comedy's, I think, been a tightrope at least. Since. Yeah, it. I mean, it's funny when you look back at what people used to be able to say, but pretty much anything. Uh, I mean, I don't know any comic over forty. I don't know any comic at all. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't talked about it with all of them, but none of them want to play colleges. Oh God, what an college! Th- yeah, there's a certain type of. There must be comics who do that circuit, but it must be the most excruciating kind of comedy on on these because <laughs> yeah, somebody somebody was... did an article about this and they and they said like they like the comic had to like take a sort of a test or answer a bunch of a questionnaire like, about what he was going to talk about cultural appropriate right, exam or something right yeah, yeah. so yeah. before he went on stage and it's like wow is that where we are they used to have charles bukowski go to a college and like be <laughs> shit faced and telling all you know like saying things right. about fist fucking people and stuff and drunk and you get the fuck out of here you know really? i want a ham sandwich you know what i mean like that's that's a good night on is the campus is that true that charles bukowski did college speaking engagements or you make he did bookstores, but yes, he did. He did some, I believe, right. universities. And it would be full of young people, and he's like this lecherous like person. That would know? be a good movie. Just him doing that to well, him. Instead of, uh, somebody did a movie about him, didn't they? Yeah, Mickey Rourke plays Mickey him in Rourke. Barfly. Barfly. Right, that was kind of a big movie. It was a big movie. Isn't Lauren Hutton in that film as well, I believe? Oh, Lauren Hutton. And... Yeah, Mickey Rourke and Lauren Hutton. It's hard to believe they're down and out drunks. And so, you know what I mean? It's like, she doesn't even have a black eye. You know what I mean? Is it just me or uh, this is no sense of verite? I was like. What year was that? Because they always have to get beautiful people to get the money to make a movie about people who weren't actually physically gorgeous. But that's true. Everything is gorgeous. What year was that? It must be like. 87, 88, maybe. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. And I forget who made it. Because that was making work. He's like, oh, my friends. Oh, my friends. <laughs> he's all drunk. And- yeah. And then, I mean, I, I feel like before that, people weren't too aware of Charles Bukowski. And I kind of made him a folk hero because the Mickey Rourke played him. He, but he that was definitely, a, he was having a big moment then. You but, know he, what I mean? but is he a good poet? I mean, you know, we look at the world now of a guy who said some nasty things and had some <laughs> nasty behavior, but I think, again, he comes from a great poetic nature. His happens to be violent and sometimes brutish in a masculinity that escapes us in this, like, era, but... I'm not looking. But he was I don't a term, yeah. He was a drunk, right? I mean, that's the big. Yeah, part. but he's also a writer, so I mean, I think he was loudish in those ways, socially and with people. But, but this is my his theory. writing is. I mean, read Ham on Rye. I mean, it's good. This is my th- my theory about pain. Like in years past, people were just in a lot more pain, so you got more. <laughs> it's true. You got more people like this. Who just were like, oh, and I hate it. I'm having a drink, and I have to drink to survive. And it's this like- is I've had a crisis recently, <laughs> and that's funny. Have you ever read the 120 Days of Sodom, the Marquis de Sade? Have you ever actually picked I up the may book have and read, read it? it? I certainly remember it, the look of the book in college, but I don't remember if I read it. I feel like we did. That, yeah, that was sort of 
What? You're like, did I read the abridged version, hand job in Schenectady or whatever? Oh, no. <laughs> Ten hand jobs in Schenectady. No, but. No, it's market- funny because I, I picked it up recently because it kept coming up and I've been reading, you know, I get on these things. So a lot of decadent French. So the Marquis French de Sade, let's set the stage, 18th century France, right? Uh, right. Yes, yes, aristocrat. Aristocrat. And he is jailed. Jailed, yep. And he, he begins to write. For the, sodomy. What he's jailed because he's an aristocrat, but I think they also, yeah, brought him in, which is pretty funny in well, that class li- of people <clears throat> to get arrested for anything. He was a libertine. It's where we get the word yeah. sadist, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, he's re- but that's the thing. He gets really, and he also, I believe he like wrote, it's a long book. He writes all the book on little pieces of paper and stuck them I in the I remember they made a movie stuff. of this. Yeah. They stuck, he stuck them. Yeah, right. stuck him right. But, so I'm reading all of this stuff, and I read, uh, and I'm like, you know what? It keeps coming up in different things that I'm interested in. I'm like, I've never bought the book. I never picked it up. Like, <laughs> you know, I go to the bookstore, buy the book. I take it home, and about I get about 80 pages in, and I'm like, this is. I don't think I can do this. It is fucked up. This is fucking. <laughs> really? I don't. And it, and then fucked and I've been asking people. What? Why? Like? Like okay. really weird. Uh, Disturbing. To me, it was disturbing, and because he suggests, it's not just set. It's is like he hurting the, people. Oh yeah, hurting people, and I, I, I can't. You got to check it out. Like, but the like <laughs> children, ass, <laughs> ass stuff, <laughs> butt play. Yeah, yes. there's a lot of weird. It's but it's also an unbelievably You know, the it's diabolical and it's imagination, imagination of what's happening. But I had this crisis of like. Do I can you know who am I now in my late fifties? I should have read this book when I was eighteen. I would have it wouldn't have you know what I mean. I don't think it would have been as jarring. I don't think you would have understood it. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's <laughs> definitely. It. Yeah. When I, I sometimes I watch an, a movie that I remember seeing when I was really like 14 or something. And I remember it as good. And I watch it, I'm like, this sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was 14 when I saw it. I will do that with like, and I, I'm lucky at 57 to grow up in the golden, the best thing about suburbia was the local video store because, you know, oh. they had, they always had the yes. one midnight movie, foreign films, and you know, you know, something like those... the Tin Drum or something. Like, I'm watching the Tin Drum. And I am Oscar, the drummer, the kid who throws himself <laughs> down the stairs, the Gunter yes. Grass novel, because he doesn't want to grow up and the horrors of yes. war. And there's a, the scene where they pull this horse head out of the ocean. <laughs> They've been fishing for its covered eels or other. And I'm like, if my, my parents just were, I mean, I imagine they were just fucking tired and didn't really like each other anymore. Right. But I, uh, they had no idea that I'm like 14 watching like anything I want from the video store because the people at the video store, they don't know. They never watch those movies. You know what I mean? I, I wonder what kids today think. I mean, it's. I'm sure they're aware of it because they may have seen it in a movie or something, but like I remember that era and it was going to the video store was like, it was also that era when I was like, you know, in relationships with a lot of, you know, girlfriends. And so that was a thing you did with your like girlfriend. Like, what movie do you get? Yeah, it's yeah. like, what are you doing? Let's go to the video. Let's do, you know, we'll just uh, stay in tomorrow. <laughs> I took okay. a date to Blue Velvet in Atlanta. It was like, she looked at me about, by the time they show the ear, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was like, who, why are you bringing right. me to this? And I was like, because, yeah. you know what? We missed out on Smokey and the Bandit 3. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we were too late. <laughs> 
Yeah. Cannonball Run. Block, we missed it. Blockbuster. <laughs> I mean, the people who remember the blockbuster days, yeah. that's a different. But that was, uh, it was amazing because I was, you know, it was also a, you know, before you had access to everything, anything strange and anything bizarre and dark that, that wasn't presented in the normal world was interesting. And that was what record stores, that video store and bookstores always contained things of great interest, you know? I just, I just remember, I don't know why, of course, every generation you think, you know, we're, we're so, so cool, we can actually rent movies? Our <laughs> stupid parents couldn't do that. So there was always a giddy feeling I had yeah. when I left the blockbuster, and I'd have, I always rented three in case the first one or two sucked. Yeah, of course. I was like, hey, it's just another two bucks, I can afford it. You know, there's it, still it, someone paying off their blockbuster like, right. like today. They're like, remember you had to rewind it and then put it in the slot <laughs> yeah. to make sure it got back. If you didn't was, rewind it, they took another couple bucks. It was just crazy primitive, and we thought it was fantastic. What's crazy primitive are people. I'm sure if you know if you have record. Like I not only did I, if I buy lots of books, lots of records when the DVD thing was going, and I was like, this is my DVD collection, and I was like, that is. Like you, you know, they're, they're like, it's nothing now. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, wait, here it is. You know what I mean? Like, they got me. They got me for a big, big paycheck on that. I want my receipt. <laughs> wow. And do you have kids? I do. You do? How many, how many kids? I have two. How old are they? My son, Ryder Robinson, is right. 20. 20. He's at NYU. So you can talk to him about anything. Very proud of him. I, I, you know, one thing, my, and my right. daughter's 14, and she lives on the East Coast as well. Um, you know, one thing that I wanted to go cultivate that was not available because of the nature of our world with my parents was uh, a level of intimacy with my kids that, you know, I, it, the world is weird. And, you know, I, you're just little people, and I love you, and I'm here. But you don't have to, you know, you can tell me whatever you need to tell me. You know what I mean? And I know that that doesn't mean everything, but I know it means most things. Yeah, because I think it's a, the right thing to say to a kid, especially that old, because you're always going to be the father. So you, you know, you can't unwear that, which is good, because then you can say that, that you have the license to say this other thing, which is tell me anything, because they're not going to want to shame make you feel ashamed of them they want you to be i'm sure they want to yeah. you feel proud of them but you know i mean uh again it gets back to like the way you okay. handle like we we're not so does it you, look like a normal family no but we you know and then you have a daughter my daughter's 14 yeah. 14 wow but you know so, we're the, I, the one cool thing is like we i writer i don't talk to every single day because he's in college but i still talk to him three or four times a week and i'm on facetime with my daughter maybe two times a day and uh are they like woke like are they marching for hamas and shit no but they're cool my daughters oh, especially they're they they don't care who you sleep with what bathroom you want to use they they care if you're a cool person you know like and i think as an artist i've never been uptight about who. well that's yeah i mean but, that, but their generation like they they i mean maybe even my my daughter cheyenne's kids those those kids they really don't care they're like whatever you know what i mean and i think they're they're probably the ones that could you know at some you know at some point 
it will really be the future. We won't be the ones dragging our no, feet no, on no, the bumper no, no. of the spaceship, you know, yeah. to like take us back, you know what I mean? And I get it. I, 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 I love, I've all, but I've always been weird. I like old stuff, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I hate technology. I don't care. That's why we listen to records, you know what I mean? It's like, I read books. When I write songs, I write it's, with a pen and a notebook. I don't do it on some a Some people my age have done a lot better with it than I have. I, Certainly not going to cripple myself completely by being a Luddite like some people have. But it just doesn't come naturally to me. I'm just not native to it. I always say it, it's like anything technological with me is like doing something left-handed. I'm telling you, I'm can dyslexic do, and it's always been a little yeah, bit, I, can, I have to do it by rote because... I can do it, but, yeah. you know, like, you know, my friend was showing me, uh, you know, he has Alexa in his house, you know, and it's like or whatever he calls her, and, and like, hey, computer, you know, add socks to my shopping list, and, you know, the, the, this is what people do. Yeah, but, I and mean, I, didn't we all see 2001? It's not going to go good. Did we see that movie? Don't we remember <laughs> what happened when you talked to your computer all the time? I mean, Hal has an agenda, you know? I just, the, to me, the, the cost-benefit ratio of, like, okay, as opposed to just writing down on a pad, socks on a list, <laughs> right? Or looking at my watch to know what time it is. You know, just that, okay, maybe she's a little faster, but at the price of having this bitch in my house <laughs> <laughs> who's spying on me and hears everything, and, and ugh, it's just creepy. You know what, you think you're better than me and you won't auto spell fuck when I want it on my phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? So look at you. <laughs> don't, don't tell me what to do. I think it's important for me, but I, I have to do it out of habit to write things down and cross them out. Yeah, I think there's something actually physically, neurologically beneficial in the brain-hand connection when you actually write, like, on a piece of paper. I think I have a, I have a feeling in the subconscious. Out of, yeah, totally. Out of my yeah, ass. Like, <laughs> going back before our brain. <laughs> I'm... But uh, I do if think it's, it's they, rudimentary. A guy with a piece of chalk in I, one I, hand. I think it's on a cave. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, true. They, did, they didn't go. By the way, there's a lot of other. You know, think about. I love that too. Is thank you, Warner Herzog, for going into the back of that cave. But the thing that because of that time goes back so far, there was lots of art. It just wasn't sacred art in a place like that. Those. It wasn't like that was the only art. You of know? course. <laughs> well, I mean, I forget. I think it's Harari who makes the great point that everything from the Stone Age is not representative of the Stone Age. It's just that other That's what the stones are left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's what's yeah. left. It's just the stuff they did on stone. And they keep, and they they keep did, having to change the timeline too right. when they I'm find not, something else. I'm not sure know. that, you know, it was the great stuff was on wood. But that's gone, <laughs> yeah, you know. Totally. And but it doesn't mean that, that that they weren't doing it, you know. No, no. I mean, art. We we I think we trace art back to thirty two thousand BC, something like that. There's some there's the figure from Germany, the lady. That's where a lot of well, people would a, say a, like the first human figure that they found or whatever. Not human, but the first thing that they say is sort of this departure is it's. It's not a creature that they would have seen in nature. It's like a human body with a lizard head or something. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's a way to, to know that, oh, this is when human beings were using their imagination. Yeah. 
and and relating to like the that you know trying to make right. answers of the natural world around. But them, but yeah. that's that wasn't literal. There's, they knew literally there wasn't that. What do you think about the people who like throw paint on paintings and fucking glue their hands and shit? I'm like I, I think that I, that really that really uh, that upsets me. <laughs> well, it's it's so counterproductive and. I did an editorial about Throw a rock at a gas station if the, you're mad. You know, the I mean, leave, leave the Mona Lisa out of this. Years ago, <laughs> and the theme of it was, um, look, I don't know what the answer environmentally is, but I know it. I know it doesn't work, and what doesn't work is shit like this. Yeah, and making and try and counting on people to do the right thing and be good. That's not going to work. I hate to say it, but. All these individual things we do. It's, no I'm one's not, ever done that. You think we're going to do it today? That's my point. I mean, humans are just, you cannot help being seduced in the near term by convenience and consumption. And now India and, and China. And you know what else? Syphilis. It was a big, <laughs> it was a big yeah. thing. Well, sex. Well, but, well, that's twisted everyone for a long but like, time. You can't tell, you know, all these people in India and China who now for the first time are getting cars and air conditioning, uh, you can't have that. We used up all the environment. (laughs) So you have to go, sorry, what terrible timing on your part, China. We forget that China's like the oldest civilization. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they're not the ones who used all the energy because they were poor up until recently. It was the Belgians. And I, you know. (laughs) It was was not the, well, yes, it was Europe. It was some Belgians. It was Europe, the United States. It was people, I mean, mostly the United States, we are amazingly piggish consumers. We just consume and fart out a lot of shit. I'm from the deep south where like every house is a morgue when you walk into it with the <laughs> in the summertime with the air conditioning. I'm like, Jesus oh, Christ. Right. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And um, you, you're, we are not going to, I don't think we're going to win this battle by shaming people. I don't, you know, I'm all for doing all the things we're doing, although I do feel like a fool when I find out like I've been separating plastics out for all these years, and then you read like, yeah, 94% of it winds up in the ocean anyway. Then what the fuck am I doing? Well, my, my point is, it's like, okay, you know what you're doing? You know what we're doing? We're trying to do our best because we know that we like the ocean and well, we know this is a problem. But no, you know what? Hey, Gavin Newsom, why don't you just say, if you're going to tell everyone what to do, take all the plastic fucking bottles least, away and deal with glass again or whatever. Who cares? There's got to be something. Dude, I don't, I want to, I'm still doing it. I know it's not it, that easy, but. but you know, and I restaurants so, can be more responsible. I think, especially just like, since the pandemic, when you order shit more, like, like, come on, guys, man, you could do better with the fucking mountains of I shit mean, that comes with your food. Amazon. I mean, the amount you get like a shoelace, and it comes like in this <laughs> giant box. Because sometimes a guy needs and also, a shoelace. And just also, one. like if something doesn't fit, they just send it back. All this sending your pants all over. Where are they going? Yeah, it's costly. Go to the store. Put on your pants. We are not serious about the environment. So people are serious about talking. About they're it. serious about talking exactly. Yeah. And like, like I said, I think we're trying to do our best, and I think we, by recognizing well, we're it is like <laughs> no, yeah, I guess we're not. plainly not doing so, our best and we're not going to come close why have trains who like, cares like in europe where like people during, can go anywhere they want during world war ii that generation on the home front did their best there was rationing they didn't complain about it you know that during the war world war ii the auto companies stopped making cars 
That's yeah. their business. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. didn't make a single car, except maybe a couple of cars for the generals to ride around in. They just completely turned over, like on a dime, to make planes and tanks. They didn't have sugar or meat. You know, you had to get a ration. They were fine with it. That's doing their best. You know what we're else not was that going generation. On? The guy's brother-in-law was sleeping with his wife while he was away Got fighting. Syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> now, this these are even. No, I hear you. And so, no, we're, we're I thought just, that about in my own in my own way. Like, you but know. we have to accept that that is the fact. We have to deal around that fact. Where th- these generations, which only get worse and worse. I mean, they called our generation fucking the me generation, and these everybody. Uh, um, get softer. It's just the way of a civilization. But we're not going back to that. So what are we going to do? It sounds to me like somebody's going to have to fucking figure out some technological... Uh, should we have some sort of Manhattan project for figuring out from a different angle? Because I just don't think people are going to conserve their way out of this. And then you get to other places where it's truly... You know, we, you know, poverty speaks for itself. And, you know, I'm trying to feed these kids and I'm trying to not get stabbed in the place. Right. And I don't care where I sit this plastic right. bottle. You You're know right. what I mean? Like, people have, I don't care if I throw my shit on the road. People I, have you know, much bigger immediate real issues. things in their lives that are. And another weird thing is, you know, and we forget because. But we're, we're still people who are just trying to survive every right. day. You know what I mean? Yes, it's changed. and uh, But truly, that's our function. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's to there, survive. There was an environmental-friendly bill that Macron tried to pass when he was first president of France, and it you know, did not go over well with the working-class French. And the great line, one guy said, yeah, Macron, he thinks about the end of the world. I think about the end of the month. I watched the uh, flying in from New York That's, today. I watched a horrifying documentary called Utopia about the, this, oh, this uh, pastor of? in South Korea who helps people defect. Right. And it's, wow, wow. Did they get footage from North Korea? Yeah, I mean, That's their footage true. is really spotty. They have footage more when they cross into China and they're on cell phones and they follow this family. Although they have to... No one can get out through the South because of the amount of landmines and shit. It's a smaller... Of course. You know, oh. And they have that, like, you just can't do it. So they people go through China, but if you get caught in China by the government, they send you back and then they'll kill you. And the Chinese, the people who b- broker the, you know, sort of uh, defectors, they end up just wanting to take your, like, wife or whoever's there and sex traffic them or whatever. Right. So... <laughs> It's really difficult and really tre- uh, treacherous, and but they have to go through Vietnam and Laos, and then get to right. they, they're not safe till they get to Thailand. And it's, bad. it's a it was a even then I it was a really uh, intense what, what's, what's, movie. What's the uh, scariest country you ever played? Because like you know Mississippi. The, I mean, ah. <laughs> come on. I'm kidding. But uh, you know that you know the Beatles history, right? You know they. No, they, I played they, Chile at the end of um, Pinochet's regime, and it wow. was it was Harry. It was weird. It was very strange. And it's somebody somewhere in our entourage. We were playing with Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. And uh, this is 19, January 1996. And this is, and I come to find out because the Black Crows just recently visited uh, Santiago for the first time since then. And I met the kids in the opening band. Um, 
and we they were really nice and they had a really cool band and the show was great and i invited them to dress and they're like oh do you realize all kids are everyone was at that concert through the whole country it was the first rock music right and and i didn't realize that but i have a picture like el commandante wow. this guy in full like right. banana republic right. like regalia <laughs> with comes, all the medals yeah that. and he comes backstage and he has like armed guys and he goes i want to take a picture and we start taking pictures and and then the guy holds his gun and he is acting like he's killing me and like but he took a picture it was funny but it wasn't kind of funny <laughs> and then we went we climbed on the stadium and somebody I've never seen this. Somebody said, let the crowd in. So they opened the stadium gates and kids start to come in. But whoever, that guy maybe had said, wait a minute, I didn't say do that. So they tried to close those gates and we were on the top of the stadium and they had maybe, yeah, I don't know, 10, 12 guys on horsebacks with these huge uh, like canes, like, really long and they rode these horses into these kids and just started <gasps> whipping them and whipping them back. And that's like one of the most violent things I've ever seen, except for when we played Moscow with uh, ACDC wow. and Metallica in 1991. Wow. Wow. Um, that was wild. That was the weirdest surreal trip. And it was like at the end of that stuff. So like, there's nothing it's I don't know what was going on you know like we were in the middle of Red Square this thing we've seen it's three in the morning our so old this keyboard is 91? players 91 so the Soviet, peeing in this, Red Square drunk the like, Soviet Union fell in 91 yeah it was right after right that. after so wow. it's right after the whole thing what falls moment. what a moment and so it was Yel they, Yeltsin was the president I think so yeah and they you know they tanked the building or whatever right. And we get there, and the gig is like, so we're on first, of course. Um, I think Pantera went on first, actually, and then us. They were on that bill somehow. And uh, it, it, it's we went on, there were 300,000 people there. there. They say there was a million people there for uh, ACDC and Metallica. Mm. But at one point, I, I don't know, they were trying to, I guess the same thing, they were just trying to, within the morass of people, they wanted to form like some areas so how did they do that <laughs> just riot police beating people with clubs till they could like both sides like fighting like digging holes towards each other and that day i got kicked but the, i there's 600,000 700 there's millions of people on the other side of this fence there's millions of people backstage soldiers for miles and policemen i couldn't find a bathroom so I go all the way around to this. There's, you know, 38 semi trucks back there. I go around to where I don't see anyone. No one, no, you're not going to see me. You know what I mean? I'm not peeing. In, I go back there. I look around. I'm like in my stage clothes. I pee behind this truck and I look up at a guy with a rifle and a, that long green Russian jacket. He starts yelling Russian. I'm like, I, I, I don't know what you're saying. And he just comes up behind me. And he kicked me in the small of the back so hard, my face up against the thing. I'm like peeing, you know, still. And he like is yelling at me and holding his rifle. And I like pulled up my pants and I like trying, I was like, I'm, you know, he let me go, but he was screaming at me. I was like the he worst. He never knew who you were. No way. Right. It was just some dude. And he's, right. I, I right. guess he was saying you don't pee over by those trucks. I'm like, there's <laughs> 700,000 people here. Someone's got to pee sometime. It was, oh, that was like, oh, that was. It hurt too. And how was the show? 
The crowd. Good. I thought it was amazing. I mean, and Chile too. You like the crowd? Oh my God, the crowd in that it was amazing because Chile seems like a place that um, hasn't really rebounded or found it. You know, it's it seems a little there's a melancholy or a yeah. shame maybe or something that's uh, collective. Uh-huh. But the show was outrageous. I mean, I didn't expect it, and it was like they were amazing audience and so joyous that you came back after 26 years or whatever. And then to talk to the guys from the band, and I didn't know about the cultural significance of that concert for them, so that was... Do you know the band Blood, Sweat, and Tears from the 60s? Do you remember them? What? <laughs> that <buzzer. laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. That's their word. No, they had, they had a couple of good ones. You, you've made me so very happy. Great song. Great song. Great vocal, right? You could do that one. I could, I could find my way around that one. That would be it's not, a great. That'd be a fun one to do for you. I didn't really see the blood, sweat, but, and tears coming. Okay, yet, but I'm saying that this was be, your rota tonight. No, 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 because it connects. <laughs> okay. Because they did a documentary on them recently. No. Oh. I'm pretty sure it was them, and I think it was Rob Reiner who did it. Um, and they went on a. Their, it's about how their career was on the upswing, and was sort of derailed because <clears throat> they went on a. They agreed to like a <clears throat> Goodwill Behind the Iron Curtain tour, like in 71. This is before the- Early this, days. This is, you... this is Cold War. Brezhnev, you know, straight up Cold War. Nixon, okay. And they went in 71, Yeah, wow. and they went to, and they said- Because uh, artists did it, like, like <clears throat> Count Basie did it and stuff, or Duke Ellington did stuff like that. Yes. Okay, so they, the, I think he said the, our first stop was Yugoslavia, which, you know, Yugoslavia was behind the Iron Curtain, but it was not a Soviet satellite. It had its own dictator, Tito. He was independent, Yugoslavia. He also so, had his own freeway. That He had his own lane. They all every did. Free, was, all those communists did. That's, that's all what, Elvis wanted. Elvis would still be alive if he could have got that. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, and then they, they said, oh, this isn't that bad. We saw kids with jeans on and stuff. It's like... Then they went to Romania, and they were like, oh, fuck. I see what they mean when they say the Iron Curtain shut behind you because, like, they were watched every minute, drab, dreary. Like, and here's the great story. The guy says... They obviously we, we, got paid to do this. I mean, why would you do this if yeah, it wasn't some... Well... The adventure? I, 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 I am the wrong one to ask all the details about this, but I think it was just, like, the patriotic thing to do or whatever... Whatever, the gist of it was when they got home, they caught shit from both sides because of it. I forget what the, what, why the hip, the hippies hated them for like, I don't know, selling out or doing the government's work. And the other people were like, how dare you? No, the hippies hated them for their last Ed Sullivan performance. They they were like, guys, I mean. (laughs) So here's the great story about how bad Romania was, how bad communism is. They're having, they're in a cafe, and they suspect that the guy a few tables over is what happens in those communist countries, somebody watching them. Yeah. Foreigners are just watched constantly by, okay, so the guy's reading. You can run amok. I mean, one, a couple guys. He's really got something. The guy is reading a newspaper on the table <laughs> while the he's. Are out. Wait, no, he's just sitting at the table, drinking his coffee, reading the paper. And they suspect he's watching them. And at a certain point, he gets up, and another guy sits down, and starts <laughs> drinking. Like, he was the like same off the coffee clock or whatever. and reading the same newspaper. <laughs> you know, when we landed, we were. It was cool. That was the first time I was ever on a private plane, and we were with Metallica, and uh, we were on. Uh, 
Paul McCartney's plane. Wow. Yeah. And we, but we didn't go to the main international airport. We went to like a local airport and they, none of the paperwork was done for the concert. So we were like the black, you know, we were starting out. Metallica had just put out the black album. They're like the biggest thing in the world. And we're all like on the runway. <laughs> and, uh, but when I went in and went to the bathroom and stuff and like saw the roads and everything, I was like, oh man, you know what I mean? Like, these guys, this country's a little long in the tooth, man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> look like America now. The bridge is falling down and right. big hunks of concrete on the road and shit. Right. You know what I mean? No, it's, it's like, <clears throat> but at the time I was like, like, oh, yeah, what we see isn't really what this looks like. And of course we knew that would be the case, but to really see it for the first time as a young man was. But it is a good time to be doing it when you're young because you just, you just don't get scared by, it's, ah, fuck it, you know, everything is, you don't know enough to be scared by shit. The more you know, the more you have to worry yeah, about. Yeah, death you know. lurks behind every corner. Right, <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> no, I know what to say. All right, speaking of the road, I am going to plug my dates. March 2nd at the <clears throat> Hobby <laughs> Center for the Performing Arts. I'm sure there are no actual hobbies going on there because I'll be performing. There'll be a guy with uh, balsa wood in, in the front <laughs> row. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a big Etsy sign in the back. That's in Houston. March 3rd, my mother's birthday, Performing Arts Center in El Paso. And March 23rd at the Jackie Gleason Theater. Oh, that's one of my favorites. I did my last special there in Miami. What do you, what, like, what's your favorite city to play in America? To play in, I mean... In America. In America. 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 Good old um, America where... You know, the... Uh, it's hard. I still... I, I like to go back to Atlanta. I think we all. I think when we go yeah. back, it's exciting, and we were really yeah. We we left there we're really stomping quick. grounds. Yeah, and it's just and like it's cool to be. And we're this time we're we've been in two bigger places now. We're for this next tour, this Happiness Bastards tour. We're in the oh, Fox, yeah. the Great Fox Theater, which I'm sure you've played. Let me plug that one more time before I go back to my day job. Here, look at that. I feel like I'm so professional. Happiness passes, but people don't bring shit here. If they if they did, I would plug it. I'm not like other guys. You're, You're not like I mean? other guys. You're a pleasure. <laughs> I could do it all night, but thanks, I thanks. have this other show I got to <laughs> fucking work on. I hear you. But thank you so much for doing this. Cheers, fantastic. You know, I was time. so thrilled when I heard that you were coming by and that you wanted to do this, and um, you did not let me down. Excellent. I hope I see you at the woods. And thank you, kind sir. Anytime. Club. You know, when you're not constantly working, come see the Black Crows. I would love to see the Black Crows. Take care of you. Yeah.